Welcome to the Working Hands Podcast. I'm Tony. I'm Keith. And I'm Chad. This is our first inaugural episode. So I think uh I think maybe we started off with how we met, who we are. We'll go from there. So Chad, tell us about yourself. Like I said earlier, I'm Chad. Um uh, I basically do a little bit of everything, but I would say my main focus is probably in digital fabrication, as in my my major creations are made with lasers, CNCs, computers, that kind of stuff. Keith, why don't you tell us about you? So I make a lot of stuff, but I, I guess I would consider myself a woodworker, first and foremost. Uh, yeah, that's it's a hobby. I'm a hobby woodworker, I'd say. Uh, what about you, Tony? Um, I'm basically a hobbyist blacksmith. Um, a little bit of a competitive powerlifter at the same time as well. Kind of hobbies that I have, I guess. Um, yeah, that's me in a nutshell, really. So we all met, what was it, last year, two years ago? The COVID, 20, the COVID skipped year. <laughs> 2019. Yeah, we so, all met 2019 yeah. at uh, what's called the Catskills, right? Catskills Mountain Maker Camp. Yes. Or is it just Catskills Maker Camp? I forget. No, they call. I think they call it Catskills Mountain Maker Camp. They get it. They got her stretched right out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought the cool kids were just calling it Maker Camp. The cool kids do just call it Maker Camp. So that's where we met. I I I I never met you guys before that, or even followed you guys online. I mean, why would I? You know. But uh, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, why I, you went I, there? What it was like? I remember it just like yesterday. It and then it was actually not my plan to go to this trip because I'm kind of like a kind of like a. I am just going to stay in my workshop and work and work keep my head down in the work but my wife found out about it somehow because she knows i'm a little bit of a jimmy duresta fanboy she somehow started following him as well and saw in his stories that they were throwing this camp so she bought tickets for it and drove me her and our dog up from georgia to new york and uh that's where we were and I had no friends there. I was all alone. My wife didn't get tickets to go into the event, so I just kind of had to walk down there by myself. And that's when I saw a, a little man <laughs> down by the axe throwing. And I said, well, I guess it's time to go make friends, just like high school all over again. So I went down there, introduced myself, and that's when I met Keith. So, Keith, I'm going to pass it to you. What yeah. brought you to the camp? I guess being a Duresta fanboy as well, I, uh, I'd seen him. He announced it in, uh, with uh, Austin, who runs the event. And it was at the Blackthorn. And my moniker for the past, I don't know, 15, this has been Mr. Blackthorn. So uh, I was like, oh, I got to go now, you know, it's close enough. So I signed up and I went. And uh, like you, I had no friends. I went alone. Uh, I was supposed to go with a buddy. He bailed on me. So. I showed up and I was hanging out throwing axes by myself and you came over. And uh, yeah, what about you, Tony? What brought you there? I think it's the same, kind of the same story. I wouldn't call myself a Duresta fanboy, but um, 
it was his, his, uh, his Instagram that brought me to it. And, uh, yeah, it was what a 10 hour drive to get down there, brought myself and my girlfriend went down and she, she actually came in with me and participated in a few things as well. So it was a pretty good, pretty good weekend. Yeah. I remember we bumped into Tony. We were waiting in line over at the like blacksmithing area to kind of get in there. And there's me, there's Keith. And then like six foot seven, 350 pounds is Tony standing up barreling over us. (laughs) Just for the record, I think Chad, you're actually taller than me. How's that right? I'm I'm six one. Yeah, but Tony, your presence carries a lot more than it does. It's <laughs> got a good posture too. I remember I made the bad joke of letter Kenny. I thought Tony was gonna he turned around, I thought he was gonna kill me. Yeah, I I could tell it was a dark tent and you could see the whites of your eyes get really, really big. <laughs> so he didn't invite you to fight at that moment. That was... No, I was just trying to scare him. But yeah, I mean it was pretty good. Uh I think I learned more about blacksmithing from Tony than I did the presenters, you know, I kind of, I knew nothing about blacksmithing before I went. Uh, so once we befriended Tony, I kind of hung out with him whenever he was in the tent because he was there to show me what I was doing. So that was cool. So it was, yeah. a, it was an interesting trip. That, that, that makes It was, and I think blacksmithing was kind of a, uh, a big, there was definitely the popular tent and, and the opportunities that we got to go in there and kind of smoosh some metal around. It was fun. And Jess and uh, what's his name? Brett. Brett. They were great teachers, but they had a lot of people kind of doting on them. And I think I got lucky as well. I think I was in the tent with Tony as well. He kind of saw me trying to squish some metal into a, a little coat rack. I actually have it hanging on the wall over there. And he helped me out with doing a little S twist and hammering it down. Not making too much of a fool of myself. I wasn't hitting hammerheads together like some kind of buffoon or anything like that, but it was, it was good to meet there. It's a fun time. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good event. I was really happy with what they had there. Um, I'm hoping that it's still going to be this year, still going to be as small, still have that same kind of feel, but just have a few more things there because I would hate to lose the feeling that, well, first one's always the best. Could be the best one, but we'll see. Yeah, I've got high hopes for it too, and I'm excited to hear that the, the Canadian borders have opened up. So we'll all be there this year, and I want to invite our listeners to definitely check in later because we're, we're planning on doing a live podcast at the event. So it'll be kind of neat. We might even bring in some guest speakers or just kind of talk about what's going on at the event. I think it's going to be really neat. Yeah, we may have a couple other announcements for the event later too. Oh. I'll talk to you guys about that later. <laughs> we have some secret secrets. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it should be a good time. Uh, I think the I think the skip year COVID only is gonna make people more apt to want to be there. I think I think it should be pretty crowded. But that but that but but that the vibe of such a small event be cool. Probably dissipate. You know, yeah, I think the physical location of it might actually keep it a little bit smaller, but I think I think you're right. Like it's it's going to be a lot bigger than it was the first time. 
And I'm, ex- I'm ex- yeah, I'm excited I, I to see what I'm, new events they might um, do. I know like Justin's going to be doing like timber framing, which they did not have the first year, which I think would be really neat to kind of see that. Uh, the first year was just kind of like CNC, uh, pen turning, blacksmithing. Uh, am I missing anything? Was there anything else the first year? Uh, they had, uh, it was more ex- exhibitions. So mm-hmm. they had, uh, a guy with a, Chainsaw, chainsaw sawmill. What's that called? Alaskan sawmill. Yeah, Ronders was his name. Yeah, right? Ron, yeah, Ronders from he's from Chicago. Yeah, his tent was set up right next to ours. Yeah, and they had um, Paul Jackman was doing power carving. Pat yeah. Lap was doing pole turning. Nick over at Tech Ed Fireman, he, he was doing the pen turning for the military, which was cool. Uh, you know, turn a pen and then go out to the military. Uh, and, uh, was it Scott Grove? Is it Scott Grove? He was on the far side over towards the, past the pen turning guys. He was in kind of his own little tent with the CNC and stuff going. Yeah. Yeah. He I think this... it was Scott. I think that's a name I remember. I could be wrong. Well, they had, uh, two CNC companies there. They had the Shopbot guy and they had the three Shopbots just as a demonstration. And they had the maker CNC, uh, what was it? Maker made CNC? Yes. Which is, yeah, they the, were, they were in the big four by eight vertical tent. one. Yeah, they were in the blacksmith tent. And the blacksmithing, obviously Austin is a blacksmith, so he brought in more blacksmithing than anything else. And that was like the highlight of the weekend. Uh, he had some pretty powerful names there. Uh, I don't know them all. Uh, but the modern forge guys was there. Uh, yeah. So you've got, um, trying to think. So you got, the loud mouth of uh Mr. Fader. Yeah. Um uh let's see, who else was there? Jesse Savage, who's part of the Blacks uh Modern Forge. Well, Blacksmith Pub podcast as well. Oh yeah. He's the other half of it. Um and then uh Cliff Upton and oh. We don't have to go through everyone's name, but like yeah, Chris was, Cash was there. He was running Chris the microphone, Cash, yeah. keeping it. No, I was trying lively. to think. Uh, I'm getting stuck on his name now. But one person I do want to mention who was there was uh, Steve Pellegrino. He just, had yeah. bad, he just had a pretty bad week. So if you don't know, go on Instagram this week and find out what happened with him and donate if you can. That'd be, that'd be cool. Oh, well, now I want to know, Keith. I haven't. He and his wife were in a car accident. Uh, and he, he got hurt pretty bad, I guess. So there's a, a GoFundMe going on out there. Um, so if you can donate, donate. Sad to hear one of people in our community going through anything rough like that. So. Yeah, definitely. Especially somebody who makes their living based on being able to use their hands, you know? Yeah. Um, but. I mean, he posted he's doing better, but, you know, it's always good to give back if you can. But, yeah, well, the I'm... event the event was great. So it was cool watching Modern Forge guys make stuff. And they tied it all in together. Like, Paul Jackman, if you follow him, that's when he was making that big hammer. He yep. carved that big hammer. So the Modern Forge made that huge that huge nail for him. Yeah, that they made cool. that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I that's one of the things I, I wish I would have gotten in on because they're like, hey, we need guys to sw- swing a hammer. And I was like, 
I'm not swinging a hammer on that big a stage. I'm going to hit somebody with it. That was my mistake. What is that called? Is, is there a term in blacksmithing when everyone gets around something like that and they, they wail on it like that in that pattern? Is there like uh, some sort of term for that? I'm sure there I, is a, a, a name for it. I can't think of it, though. I've heard team forging before on a podcast. Is that a thing? Team forging? Ah, ah? Team, yeah. team striking, maybe? It's striking is what you're doing. Stay you're in your lane, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's some. So for those who weren't there or haven't seen the photos, they all got in a circle as they uh, they heated up this, uh, it was, it, I think it was wrought iron, right? Yeah, it was a good chunk of wrought iron, probably, oh, three inches by 12 to 14 inches long. Like It was a good, good chunk. It was a good chunk, yeah. And they made... In the end, what was what an eighteen-inch nail? Yeah, and it was just a square nail, like you'd see, but it was big. It was big, like yeah, it was so tall at the end that they were driving the nail into the ground underneath the swage block because the swage block was up, say twenty inches, and they were driving it down, and it was hitting the ground before they were actually done forming the head. It was awesome. The crowd yeah, was going was. around cheering. It was. It was. It kind of tied everything together, the woodworkers and the millsmith. I thought it was pretty cool. So, no, that was probably one of the best, that one of the best things they did that that weekend, just to tie, like you say, to tie everything together. There was, I forget her name, Iron Maiden Forge. What's her name? Uh, Ellen Durgan, Durden. Yeah, something like that. But she was yeah. there showing off her skills. And oh, she skills, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. she brought all a bunch of things that she had made. She had them on display. And granted, the other guys who make knives and everything, that was cool and all, but I've seen knives before. What she makes is amazing. All the different types of stuff she makes was pretty cool. Yeah, that's reminded me. We, there was a lot more like companies there, too, doing demonstrations. Like Total Boat was there, kind of with Tim Sway and, and Jess Crow. Yeah, Jess Crow was doing demonstrations with epoxy, which I found really interesting because I work with epoxy a lot. But to talk to somebody who does it like daily and kind of answer some of those questions, um, it was really helpful to just kind of get that 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 help uh, yeah. one on one. I never went to one of her demonstrations that weekend. I uh, I spent most of my time bugging Rich over at Forty Two Fab in the welding tent. Uh, but that's one you? person I I I did. I feel like I should have gone to, I, I, I don't do much in epoxy, but people who were there who talked about it said they got a lot out of that quick demonstration she was doing. Mm -hmm. I wish I had gone to it. Yeah, it was good because she uses a lot of techniques that you probably like wouldn't think to do. Like one of her techniques is don't be afraid of the epoxy. So like with her gloved hand, she'll actually go in and spread the epoxy out with her hands and then use the heat gun to kind of spread it out and adding different colors. Like she does these waves where you have to use white alcohol and acrylic blue to get the different effects that she gets on those like surfboard kind of wave cutting boards. I don't know if you guys have seen those before. I've seen them. Yeah. I think it's an awesome technique, but I've never done it. Yeah. I, I follow her as well. Those, those river tables are, those are impressive. What she does with those with actually painting in like, in the layers of the epoxy, that's yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, and then it makes it look all three D. It's pretty wild. 
dust. And speaking of epoxy, I was experimenting with like a mold release because I got these insects that I'm trying to encapsulate in epoxy. And I don't have mold release, so I used cooking spray on the plastic mold that I made. Did it and work? No, it didn't. All of the butter went up into the epoxy and it created this weird wavy effect. It hardened, but it was no longer clear. It looked like hard butter, basically. So learn from my mistake. I mean, get real mold release. I don't know if the majority of people need to learn from that. I don't think <laughs> too many people would try that. Yeah. I'm I'm just hearing don't work with epoxy. I'll stick to steel. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't Honestly. see much. I have done work with epoxy in the past. Huge fan of it, but there are time and place for most. So I left early at that uh, at the event. I think I left early Sunday morning or Saturday night. I can't remember if we were trying to get home. So I missed out on the giveaways. But Keith, I think you stayed Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, right? Can you tell me a little bit how the event ended? Well, they had a bunch of giveaways. People brought in uh, stuff like uh, Craig at the Barefoot Forge. I think he gave away Damascus. Uh, oh, I, I, I don't know who won that, but somebody won Damascus and went home with it. Uh, they gave away a bunch of stuff. They gave away a CNC machine uh, from Maker Made. They gave away uh, I think a bunch of bottle openers, I recall. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I did end up winning one piece of that Damascus, which I'm still scared to death to touch. I'm like, I don't want to screw it up because it's such a nice piece. My recommendation to you is to bring it with you this year and board oh, something yes. at Maker Camp. Uh, I, I like will, that. I will be bringing it with me for sure. And for those of you who don't know, Tony does have a YouTube channel. There are no videos on it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we can make that his first video where Chad and I maybe will we'll do the video of you Damascus steel whatever you're going to make out. Probably a bottle opener or something. In a short time, you'll have to do it. Yeah. How much weight is on that that billet that you got? Uh, it's it's like a kitchen knife blank. Like it's pretty much, you just cut it to shape and put put an edge on it. Like it's pretty oh. thin. It's not it's not real real heavy. Well, dang, but it's, st- it's still beautiful. It's still a beautiful piece. I have been in the market for a hand made kitchen knife so if you do end up making a kitchen knife i'll be your first customer how cool would that be to have a damascus kitchen knife that'd be pretty that cool. be interesting i don't don't think put it in the dishwasher i don't think you're gonna get tony's damascus knife i'm sure he wants it for himself yeah. i'll bring cash <laughs> american cash yeah like our stuff that's all colored Canadian reds and blues and greens. That's right. That's right. Well, I am. I know we are all looking forward to the next Maker Camp coming up in October. Um, I think we're probably going to close out this podcast for the night. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. Keith, you're making faces at me. We're you gave minutes. me a. We're 20 minutes in. Oh, is that all? I'm not closing this podcast yet. Well, then what? we should keep going. I thought you were giving me the signal. No, well, we, are, we are. We uh, are. This is our first podcast, so we're working out the kinks. So bear with us. But uh, yeah, Chad, Chad doesn't know what he's doing over there. I thought I was the closer. I don't know. My wife just came in the garage 
wrote some things on my whiteboard that made me want to leave. But if you guys are convincing enough, I may stay. <laughs> so, Keith, uh, what do you got? No, I was just going to go in there. What are you working on this week? Okay. If you got to go, you know, if you, we're not good enough. Listeners aren't good enough for you, then, you know. <laughs> oh, we'll the guilt card. The guilt card. Well, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll hang around until she comes back to the door one more time. Because at that point, it's probably over. And I'll have to blame you both. But for now, I'll give it a shot. We'll see. Tony, we'll see what we, I think we're well, find a new podcast, mate. Yeah, not with this guy, anyways. Mm. Oh, no. No, I'm getting kicked out of my own podcast. I think I, I have his wife's Instagram. For maybe, maybe I'll get her to join. So, on the first one, she's giving you a hard time already. I don't know. <laughs> Well, you wanted to talk about what we're working on. I can tell you what I've got going on in my garage. If you Please do. Please do. All right. All right. All right. Like I said, I'm kind of the CNC laser kind of freak. I'm doing that kind of stuff right now. Definitely. Um, I've been doing a bunch of teacher door signs that hang up at the school near me. I sell those to them, and they just get engraved on both sides. Is that like some... their name? Yeah, their first and last name, and then it's got an insignia of the school. Um, on the left side, and those just kind of hang above the doors. So throughout the hallways, you can kind of see those, and it helps the kids. Like, who's the client there? Is the client the teachers, or is the client the school, and every teacher gets one? The client is the school, and every teacher gets one. And there's probably 200 teachers at the school. Wow. You're yeah. busy. Busy, busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's going on. I'm working with a, a realtor that I've been working with in the past. He wants something new. Normally, I just do kind of like, West Virginia state cutouts and send those to him. And now he wants something for like photo ops and he wants a key that's got his logo on it. It says sold. It's got his phone number and his name on it so that anytime he sells a house, he gets a picture with his clients holding that key. So it's kind of like a photo prop. Yeah. That's like a, it's almost like the big check when you win. When you yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I've been having an issue with the paint on that piece. It's a navy blue. I was using some Sherman Williams paint. I tried rolling it on, but it was bubbling up on me. I don't know if the paint's too dry, if I need to add water to what's it. What's it made? Like, what's the substrate you're putting paint? Uh, MDF. Some smooth MDF. Yeah. And I've had this issue before. I don't know if it's that I'm using a foam roller and I'm going too fast with it or not. But it's frustrating because you got to wait for it to dry and then you got to sand it down and try again. And then I got some blue spray paint. I went outside and just soaked some MDF, and it looked great. I was like, oh, perfect glass finish. I'm going to let this cure. And then it started to drizzle outside, and now there's water drops on it. The uh, You should try putting primer down first. Get like a, a Kills primer or a gripper or something. That's a good idea. It's going to save you a lot of time in paint. Just throw down a, some sort of primer first. Because you're probably using paint and primer in one. It's never worth it. Not for yeah. something like that. I would agree. I think primer is probably my favorite paint to use as well because it dries so quickly. A lot of times I'll just stick with black primer, get it the way I want it, and then just finish it off with clear coat on top. I always have better luck with that than I do with like an enamel spray paint. Um, what else is going on in here? Uh, you don't have to fish for things. We got two other. Oh, <laughs> that's true. I've probably been talking for five minutes. That's enough CNC laser talk. Uh, Tony, you got anything going on in your, your blacksmith shop? Uh, right now it's like 
just building the shop up mainly. Uh, I've got uh, got some tong blanks from uh, Ken's Custom Ironwork out of I think it's Minnesota. I got to make up, so I get some tongs to use. Um, what else do I have going on? Uh, I'm just gonna get some steel in the morning once I get uh, just get up and going, get the kids to school and or not to school, get them just up and moving, I guess. But uh, yeah, I know it's not school year. <laughs> I have a question. You said you're gonna go get some steel. I'm always curious. Do you go to the steel yard or do you go to the big box store? What are you doing doing currently? Uh, I I would I go to a steel yard that that locally that has steel. It's just a lot easier, a lot cheaper. You go to the big box stores and it's outrageous what they want for for steel. Like it's not it's not feasible. Yeah. Now you buy oh, scrap pieces for what you do, or you buy like bar steel, or what do you get? Uh, mainly bar stock. Like uh, right now I'm looking at probably getting. Half inch round bar and some three quarter round bar for a few hooks and stuff that I need to build. And, uh, yeah, mainly just fresh stuff. At some point, I'm looking at building a treadle hammer, but that will be scrap. But this, this, this yard has scrap and new. I only ask because I went to that hammer at, at the Maker's Camp place at Blackthorn and they pretty much people just brought scrap. That's what everyone used. People are making some pretty cool stuff out of scrap, so I don't know. For you, you always use scrap, or if you want to bring in some. It doesn't matter if it's clean or old when you're blacksmithing? No, it doesn't really matter as far as um, old versus new steel. New steel is just you know what you have when you start, and old steel sometimes can be, you can find stuff in it that you, you don't like. But oh yeah, make some bottle openers and that. I think we just lost Tony to technical difficulties, which yeah. was it was very riveting hearing about whether or not you need to clean the metal. Because I know with welding, you want very clean metal. Well, yeah, that's why I was asking. But he said he he's used it for scrap stuff. But I don't know what that. Hopefully, he yeah. comes back here. I'd be interested to hear from our viewers. Do you all agree with what Tony said about that? Maybe <laughs> we've got some other blacksmiths that would disagree. And if that's the case. Keith, do we have an email they can send uh, questions or comments to? We do. It's the Working Hands Podcast at gmail.com. Great, great. So, Working Hands Podcast at gmail.com. Well, I, I mean, I think that I would like to hear what you've got going on in your shop, Keith. I know we talk, we labeled you kind of as our woodworker, but I know recently, I did. Recently, you have gotten the uh, the CNC bug, haven't you? I did. I I bought a I bought a CNC. I'd say a few months ago, I finally got it up and running. Uh, but I got it up and running, and uh, then I did a couple projects. But this week, I've been—I uh, bought the upgrade performance kit for it, so I've been running. Uh, I just finished that today. I didn't even run a carb on it yet. Um, but I did the performance kit. So uh, Tony's back. But I did the I put on the performance kit for mine. So, my first carve on that will be tomorrow night after work. Uh, good job, John. And, and Tony, we're catching up with Keith with what he's got going on in his shop. And I, I told the, the viewers that he's recently gotten a CNC as well. And Keith, you haven't told us what brand CNC did you end up getting? I know myself, I'm still using a uh, an X-Carve. 
I got a um, stepcraft, so very nice. It's nice. I enjoy it. Um, and that upgrade kit does that include like wider belts or what are we seeing? On it the eliminates all belts. So what happened oh. was, yeah, what happened was I get this thing up and running. I'm running a client job. Uh, what was it two weeks ago? And I have all the roughing passes done, and it, I'm about to run the clean pass with the little football nose roundover bit at the end to do all the fine detail and clean it up. And my belt broke. Um, yeah. So I started looking around on, on well, I didn't think it was going to break. It was only like the third carve I had ever done. Wow. Um, and I started looking around on the internet and people all over are saying the belt is garbage. It's just going to keep breaking. I, I ruined this project, that project. See, pretty much you have to go with the upgrade kit. And, wow. It's a shame they sell the kit with that, with the belts, you know? Yeah. I mean, the upgrade kit's not cheap. And then, and then, uh, so I, when I bought it, I kind of did the research. I'm like, I don't like belt driven CNCs, you know? This one only has one belt. Yeah. So I was like, well, let me try it, you know? And then once I start making money with it, I'll upgrade, you know? There's a couple upgrades I want to do to it. And I didn't think on the third, the third car, I'd break a belt, you know, things practically brand new. So that was frustrating. But I put the performance kit on and it, and just like everyone says online, it's, it's, it's a whole new machine. It's basically a hot rod, you know? Mm. So hopefully it works out. Hopefully it makes it through this. I got a couple client things I got to get done. So hopefully it makes it through those pieces unscathed. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully it proves itself because right now it's in limbo with me. Well, that's pretty exciting and also yeah. a little a little bit scary because thinking if the belt broke because maybe you had programmed something incorrectly and it went into stock too quickly or something, now that you no longer have the belt, if that's the case, either the bit breaks or the Acme rod? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the the upgrade the kit. Bit. Well, the upgrade kit. Uh, it actually comes with a, a jam feature. So if it feels it jams itself, it shuts the machine off. That's brilliant. Yeah, this upgrade kit takes. It's like a whole new machine. You know, oh. it takes it, it. It's basically a hobby level machine. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's probably better than most hobby machines. Better but, than mine. But this upgrade kit takes it from a like, like a hobby style machine to more of a like a better, like, like the next level, but it's still hobby grade size, you know? It's still only 24 by 36. But that jam feature was like, oh yeah, it's, this should be good too. Feels fine, you know? It just turns itself off. Um, so I don't know what happened on the first one. I had sat there watching it for uh, hours, and the one minute I go inside to get something to eat, it's when all hell breaks loose. So I come out to a broken belt. You know, that's Murphy's Law, such is life. Yeah, that's how it goes sometimes, but um, could have been worse. I've I've had my machine bind up on pieces of material before, and instead of any belts breaking or anything, the router continues to spin on a piece of wood, creating friction and friction and friction, almost causing a fire in my shop. 
So luckily I caught that in time to put it out. So if anyone's thinking about getting into CNC, um, they say don't walk away from your machines. I'm guilty of it all the time because I've gotten comfortable with carves that I do over and over again. And it's kind of fun to think, ah, my machine's going to go work while I go watch TV. Um, but also I want to let everyone know it's, it's dangerous and you should keep your eye on it for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I don't plan on walking away from mine. Uh, I did get a camera, so, uh, it's going to link that comes in tomorrow. So I can link that to my phone. So if I do go inside to use the restroom or what have you, at least I know, uh, that I have to run out with a fire extinguisher or whatever. But, uh, my machine, um, I have a spindle on it, not a router, but the spindle's not hooked up to the machine at all. So it's, it, I turn that on separately. So that's another upgrade I would have to do to be able to control both at once. So it's not even like I can let it run, walk away and come back and it's just done. If I leave for a four hour carve and I come back five hours later, that, then that spindle's been running for an hour doing nothing. Uh, it doesn't sound good. So, with my machine, you really can't walk away from it. You pretty much have to be with it until I buy even more upgrades. You know, it's like any of these tools. Once you start down a path, you're spending lots of money. You know? and, and this might not be a solution for you, but what I do is I, you know, those smart plugs where you can tell Google to turn off or on things. I've put those on the different machines in my shop, which is probably dangerous. I've got one for my dust extractor. I've got one on my router and I've got one on the CNC. So I can say some different keywords to have those different machines turn on or off or as a group. Um, but the danger to that is what if I'm changing a bit and one of my children inside the house says, you know, turn on the router while my hands are on it. So. That's my solution to it, but I'm, again, I'm going to kind of give that disclaimer. It's dangerous. Be careful. Yeah, I have I have something similar with my shop, where the forge that I built in my shop, um, it has a forced air system. So it has with that forced air system, I have air and fuel mixing up above the burner, and then it lights down on the burner faces. I have a ribbon burner, and with that. If you walk away from it and the air's not being pumped in and the gas is just being pushed into the pipe, it's just building a cloud of vapor. So oh. then, that then can light off the refractory that is 2000 degrees down at the base <laughs> down. So that is definitely something that, and when you do all your reading and looking, looking into the literature and stuff, everybody says to put something on it to that effect or just never walk away from it. So I'm in the never walk away category because I just haven't taken the time to build. Like if you, what you do is you put a circuit in place that or a solenoid in place on your fuel line so that when you're, when, if your power goes out on your fan, it shuts the gas off. Uh, if you yeah. don't, if you have that, then you're solid because you take the fuel in the, in the get in the, uh, the fuel in the air away, and then you don't have any issues. That's when the idea. when the fuel can build up on its own with two thousand degree refractory, not that far away, it's that's that's when it gets dangerous. That's fireworks right there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I like that solenoid idea. I think that's that's definitely an upgrade you should maybe look into if you if you ever plan on 
walk. Yeah, it, it definitely it definitely is something that I want to look into because it, at some point I'd kind of like to teach a little bit in my shop. So I'd rather have it so I can be a little bit more uh, just have things safer. If it's just me in there. It's just me. If I have someone else in there, I have to take their their safety into consideration as well. So. One of the bigger fire hazards in my shop is definitely the 60 watt CO2 laser that I have. Cause it's literally using super powered light to, to either etch or cut materials that I put in there. And depending on the different materials you're using, they can catch fire very easily as well. And if you Google CO2 laser fire, you can see some catastrophes where the entire machine goes up in flames or even someone's house gets burned down by it. So. That's something I'm trying to be more careful of as well, especially yeah. using materials will, like acrylic. From like the the videos that you have on YouTube, I was impressed with the amount of smoke. Like it just never even dawned on me that that you'd have that much smoke on them coming off them. But that's it's impressive to, <laughs> to see them things work. It is. It's it's amazing. Even just this. I mean, this is kind of considered a smaller laser compared to what some of the guys I follow are using and. It's amazing how it can vaporize things and just turn it into smoke or soot or whatever and pump it down the neighborhood. It's like when we were kids, we used to talk about, oh, laser beams, you know, it's like the thing of the future. Now it's here and you have it in your shop and you're using it to do work. Like, I never would have thought about that as a kid, you know, in middle school shop class. Thinking, oh, I'm going to use laser beams to cut wood at some point. Oh, even, even the router, even the routers and stuff that you guys have, like, that's that's amazing like that they have that and then i don't know if you guys saw it but um there's cnc presses out there now like for forging you can get a forge press that will actually if you set it to two inches you want the dies to stop at two inches of from each other they'll stop and then you can pretty cool yeah you can forge stuff down to dimension so much so much easier so what are the tolerances on those things can you get down to like you know one sixteenth inch or thirty second inch or uh that I don't know because this this has just come out like in the last I think uh Cole Ironworks came out with it at Blade Show or maybe at another blacksmith event a few months ago. Like it's it's just been in the last few months that they've come out with it. And it's a very expensive option. But if you're into that, like if it's blade making that you're doing, that is it's just a once you're into it as a business, that would be definitely something that you, you would want in your shop. This makes it so much easier to draw draw stuff out and be precise about it so you're not wasting materials. Well, that coal ironwork stuff, that looks amazing. Yeah, and then that's what I mean. Like They take those 16 and 25 ton presses and put put a CNC on it. I mean, it, it drives the cost up, but it makes it so much more efficient. And for our viewers, uh, the words or the, the abbreviation CNC stands for computer numerical controlled. I know the default for a lot of people is they think CNC router. And I think if you say CNC, that's what most people think. But it's like Tony's saying, they're putting CNC technology on all kinds of different machines. Like my laser is controlled by CNC. Again, my router is, uh, I saw somebody make a table saw that's controlled by CNC. So it moves the fence. And the angle of the blade. That and, and fence by CNC is pretty wild. Because they, yeah. like, like if you're cutting uh, cabinet parts, right, you program it and you say, oh, I'm going to cut 
cabinet A. And it knows, all right, I need to make this cut, and then you next cut, next cut. The fence just moves as you go. You yeah. operate it like a regular table. Like, the efficiency, like, to have a production house where that type of efficiency is needed blows my mind already. You know? It's pretty cool. I would have that in my shop. I like I, I feel like I look at Tony Stark in the movies, and I'm like, I want my workshop to eventually end up high tech, kind of like that, where I've got all the best and brightest it's like, machines. It's but then have I have a call... dumb robot that sprays you with the fire extinguisher. <laughs> there you go. When I had the Amazon dot in the garage, I was able to use the keyword computer. And it would listen to my commands after that. So that was kind of fun. But I have since replaced it with a Google, whatever it's called. And you have to say, okay, Google. And I hate saying that. It's so many syllables. I just wish it could hear what I'm thinking rather than me having to talk to it. Why so, is that? Because I hate you would think you would want that many syllables to protect your hands if you have it hooked up to like a spindle or a router or whatever you have it hooked up to. I would just rather be able to give it my own name, like Jarvis or computer or workshop, even. Google so, Alexa, wants... you can? Oh, I <laughs> should have you... said that name. Huh? Sorry, yeah. listeners. Good job. You're going to need to bleep that out. They have three choices, which I don't even know if I should say. There's Echo, there's computer, and there's Alexa. So, you get a little bit more options there. But I bet we have some viewers I who have... can program. In my shop, I have both a Hey Lady, as I like to say, and I have the G1, both in my shop. But they're not hooked up to anything. One I have out there because it's my Google Nest, so it brings uh, Wi-Fi out to my shop. And the other one is out there so I can listen to music. So, so how do you turn on your dust collector? Uh, plug it in. Civilized <laughs> human being. How do you do yours? I tell Google to turn it on. Or so, I use the command turn on cutter and it turns on the router and the dust collection at the same time. So I used to have uh and we're probably even boring Tony with this stuff, but I used to have <laughs> I can tell. I used to have a remote for it and I had the outlet where I plugged it in and I had a remote. Uh, uh, uh two weeks ago I put that remote down and I said this is where I'm gonna leave it so I don't lose it. <laughs> and uh I'm still still trying to remember where I put that remote down. Uh, yeah, that always worried me, too. I probably ended up losing it in the couch in the house somewhere. So, yeah, I think that's what happened. I think it was in my pocket. And, <laughs> and came inside late at night after working out there. Cause, and uh, it's probably in my nightstand. I, I have no idea. I haven't even looked for it. I just go over and plug it in now. And that's how I do it. Plug it in. I wish I was uh, Tony where I didn't have to worry about that. You know? Yeah, there's definitely uh, definitely lots of forge scale around my anvil right now. That's about the only thing that's really uh, as far as dust or what you consider any kind of dirt or dust. Do you do a lot of grinding out in your shop? Uh, no, not right now. I'm trying to. I'm working on my skill set to to get to a point where like most of my forging is to a level that I don't need to grind it. Although I did buy a two by seventy-two, I still am a gear junkie at heart. So I'm a gear yeah, junkie at heart as even, well. So which which two by seventy-two did you end up going with? I need to know. Uh, I went with a local producer. Um, cool. They're 
Yeah, so they, they're out of Nova Scotia, Canada, and it's called uh, Velocity Grinder. Are they sold down here in the States or no? Um, I think you could get them if you wanted, but, uh, I think, yeah, I don't, I think you just have to get them imported from Canada. I don't think there's a distributor yet. He's set up with, uh, um, a local guy here in, well, he's in Nova Scotia as well, but there's a maritime knife supply and he, he supplies, or he's the distributor. So you go through him and then you can get, you can get one. Yeah, I'm looking at their website right now, and you can order them and get them sent to the United States. So, is it the vol- velocity.net? I'm on maritimeknifesupply.ca, oh, okay. yep. and they have the Velocity Belt Grinder 2x72 for 1500 Not sponsored. Unless they want so, to send me one, and then it will. Well, I actually have I have a shirt on right now. It <laughs> wasn't even planned. I just had it just happen. Again, again, not sponsored. Yes. So let's stop giving them free promos. But uh, I do have a question for you. You said that with your blacksmithing, that you want to get away from having to grind when you're done, right? But then you bought the 2 by 72 Is there a work where it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to grind anyway? Like, say, a knife or something. Is there other stuff that it doesn't matter what skill set you're at, you're going to be grinding regardless? Yeah, there definitely is. Like, I, I built a, a burger press for a buddy of mine uh locally here and he uh he wanted a, he wanted a, a plate the bottom plate of the burger press six inches or six inches round so to get that and cut that with a mini grinder or whatever to the the six inches round is near impossible so i just put it on the two by 72 and just worked my way around it with a end of the line and then i had my six inch disc that i needed Threw it in the fire, put some hammer marks in it, and put a handle on it. So he was quite happy. Yeah, I saw that thing. That looked pretty well. Yeah. So yeah, actually, the biggest amount of work with that with that piece was actually the uh, railroad spike to draw it out. They're uh, they're tougher than they look. What's what type of metal are those railroad spikes? They are not good metal. As much oh. as people want to say that they're good metal, I, they're not. Like if you see, yeah, I, I've never seen them. They're they're tough, but they're not like a hardenable steel that you can, you can make a workable blade, but it's not it's not a high quality blade. So, but I haven't made a blade yet, so. Is that something you plan on doing, making knives? Or? That's actually something I'm fighting the urge to do. Not not that I have the urge. It's just that you have so many people out there that are like, "Oh, you've got a forge and an anvil, and you're gonna make a knife." No, I'd I'd much rather be a blacksmith first. So yeah. that's where I'm at with it. I think that TV show kind of ruined all blacksmiths. You know, uh, it, it it has it's it's or, done or the it's done, reputation it's done, of blacksmiths. It's done some good. I think it's done some good though. Because you see some of these young kids that are coming up, like the 16, 17-year-olds that are like knocking it out of the park compared to what I can do at this point. And like they found a career in a, in a like a career for the, like a, a trade or a livelihood that they can work with. So I think it's, I think it's amazing. It, it has good and bad to it for sure. But I think it's amazing that, that you see these young kids coming up that are, uh, 
they're taking this trade on. But then there are the, the side of it where it's like everybody thinks now they know what, you know, W1 steel is and what it can do and what you should, what you should be able to make out of it. It's like, I don't know what you can make out of it. It's just, it, it is an interesting, interesting time for sure. Yeah. I was hearing recently there is a little bit of a divide between like a true blacksmith and then like a, like a knife maker, like there's different groups. I'm wondering what the comparison for like woodworkers would be. Like, is it like hand tools and power tools or is it like fine furniture and uh, pallet furniture? No. Well, I mean, I think kind, kind of, I think, but it I could mean, continue to sorry. It could be something like that, but it's not like, uh, I would say fine furniture, not to, my example that's coming is not fine furniture. What I'm saying is a knife maker is so specialized, right? And there's so much that goes into it, you know, the types of steel you're using, how you can fold it over, sharpen it, all that stuff, right? It's not so much pallet wood versus a fine furniture maker, but it's more like somebody who, who, who only makes Windsor chairs. Yeah. You know, they fine tune that craft so much that they can make a Windsor chair in their sleep. The knife guys can make a knife in their sleep. And they're good at it. Everyone comes out great, you know? Whereas a woodworker may be making a bookcase, a table, a chair, uh, you know, a cabinet, bureau, you know? Yeah, I think Who you're knows? bang on there because it'd be the same idea like your Windsor chair would be a, a blade bladesmith or a knife maker doing um, they only do culinary knives. Or they right. only do bushcraft, or they only do like they're all beautiful knives when they're done. But I mean, it's it's very detailed. But then a blacksmith can make the knife, but then they can make a gate, they can make a, a hinge, they can you know they can go into the other stuff. Yeah, but there's a difference between that guy's knife and the guy who only makes knives too. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. there would be for someone who's like a general woodworker, like what they would make for a Windsor chair versus the Windsor chair maker. So. Absolutely. That definitely, definitely shows the comparison there. It's just kind of how specialized you are. Are you a master of it or are you a master of none? Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I know where I end up on that. I'm kind of just whatever my hands can get onto. I mean, so I would kind of say I'm more of a generalist in the woodworking digital fabrication field rather than any kind of specialty. Unless I guess you've got started talking about signs because I make a lot of signs. <laughs> yeah, but you also make things other than signs, so you're not an only sign specialist. Yeah. There's guys out there that only make signs, and then within that sign thing, there's only guys that make signs with scroll saws, or only girls and you know guys and girls. I use guys as the whatever plural term is. Yeah, there's people who only use CNCs or you know only hand tools and they cut with yeah. a chopping saw. Whatever, the scroll saw people will not talk to me. They they see my CNC and they're like, "You're not allowed in this group. You can't talk to us." Which I don't get that argument. Uh, <laughs> I, it's fun if it's done in jest, but if you're one of those people that you just uh, you're, you're holding yourself back. I use a lot of hand tools myself, but I'll take on any anything that's going to speed me up. You know, I only get so much time out in the shop having a day job that I want to make it as efficient as possible. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm trying to get more and more efficient, but I've started from nothing. It's tough to find an anvil. It's tough to like I built my forge, so 
And when I first started, like we have a, shop, a store up here, a box store called Princess Auto. You guys be your Harbor Freight in the U.S. They just started carrying forges in the last year or so. Oh, that's cool. that was that was not an option when I started. Like it would have cost me. It would cost a fair amount of money to to purchase a forge at that time. So I ended so, up. Go ahead. So in May or June, I went up to that hammer and whenever that was. Um, yes. At the Black Yeah, and that's exactly where you're going. <laughs> that Austin threw, and they had uh, Jimmy brought a volcano, a Mister Volcano forge, and I left there thinking I was going to buy one. Then they all sold out. But that is. Having trouble here. It's a pretty decent forge at pretty low entry cost fee. I don't know. That is comparable to the Princess Auto one. But um I would say not, but the Princess Auto one's still like fifteen hundred bucks Canadian. And the one that you're looking at, that single burner Mr. Volcano one is I think like one twenty five to get it across the border here. So if I had that option when I started, I would have saved myself months of time in prep and build and trying to find uh refractory and trying to find steel and trying to like it would it would have saved me months and months of time. It would have been it would have been nice to have that option then, but and that's one of those things that like where we were saying about forge and fire that show has brought that stuff to the forefront so that there are companies out there building things like that, like that Mr. Volcano, because it's so popular. Yeah. It, I mean, I used it, it, it not sponsored, but it was pretty good, but it wasn't the single one that you could buy real cheap. It was a, a, a higher grade one than that. But, um, it was nice. Yeah. The, I think they do have a two, I, I think yeah, Brett, I didn't want to misspeak if a, it was two or three. Yeah, no, Brett has a two burner, I think. And I don't know that I've seen a three, but I know there's a one and a two out there. So they're, I mean, a two burner, you can melt steel in a two burner, I'm pretty sure. If you tried hard enough. It's a pretty cute brand name there, too, Mr. Uh, Volcano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you think blacksmith, you think like death metal and like devils and all hardcore stuff. And then you got. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what you think of. I'm bringing my Mr. Volcano head forged to the, the hammer in. <laughs> it always brings me back to when you go to like the up here in, in, in Jersey anyway. They have all those like historic villages or something you go to. There's always a blacksmith there hammering on something. You know, probably the same piece of steel he's been hammering on for the past 10 years. <laughs> He's not making anything in there, but at least he's in there doing it, you know. He's cold still. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got a. Uh, I haven't been there in years, but we've got the same idea, like a historical village near here that you can go. And they actually, I remember in school, like elementary school, we went there, and I was the kid that they're like, "Hey, you go pump the bellows," and I was pumping the bellows while I'm pretty sure he did make something. That guy did. But. I think I'd get into it if I found an anvil that I didn't use. But the amount of effort with all my other hobbies, like if I had a setup dropped off in my house, I'd probably get in blacksmith. I think it would be relaxing to get out there and do it. not try and be a blacksmith, but to get out there and blacksmith, I guess. 
as a verb. Yeah, I, as a verb. I, 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 I get you. I, I've found for me the most fun has been actually building the shop. Like I enjoy it and I enjoy now that I'm getting to the point where I, my shop is built up and I can actually go out there and, and swing a hammer for three, four hours if I want. It's getting, I'm really enjoying that, but I really did enjoy the journey getting from this old beat up shop that or shed that I had, 12 by 12 shed that I had, taking it from to the point of where it was almost falling apart, building it back up, putting the anvil and everything in and getting everything built. Like that was was time well spent. I think maybe uh, one of these days or one of these episodes we should do how we built our shop. How we got where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's kind of save that info for then. Yeah. And in the meantime, uh, why don't we wrap it up? I am Keith. I'm I can be found online at Blackthorn Concepts. You can find me pretty much anywhere if you just type in Chad's custom creations. You can find me. I would I would love for y'all to come find me on the YouTubes because I'm having a lot of fun on there and not getting a lot of traction. So come say, hey, leave me a comment and I'll, uh, I'll appreciate it. Yep. So I'm Tony. You can find me at Woodland Iron on Instagram. It's pretty much the one and only spot to find me. Currently, we're going to get you on YouTube very, very soon. In time. Maybe, maybe someday. Peons, you but know, before tiny Chad closes this all the way out, I want to say, uh, send us your questions or if you have topic ideas or anything on the uh, Working Hands Podcast at Gmail. Yeah, the Instagram is Working Hands Podcast on Instagram. That'd be a good way to get in contact with any of us. I'm sure Keith's going to share the password to that account so we can all access it and talk to anyone that wants to get to us real quickly and easily on there. Also, I know this is a good chance to kind of ask for anyone that has the ability ability to leave a review on this podcast. Keep in mind, this is our first ever podcast, so go easy on us. And, I mean, we could do this when we start out. I'm going to go ahead and make this decision. If you leave a five-star review, we'll read it out on the podcast, right? Yeah, we can do that. We can do that for a little while. Um, Let's see. I think that'll be it for for this first episode, guys. Uh, again, definitely. See you next time.